Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up, bro? Hey. That's- you what's up, dude? What's up, yeah. home skills? Hey, bitches. <laughs> what's up, that's sluts? Oh, wait, <laughs> fucking. <no. laughs> oh, I'm hey. to get in the spirit of the episode. We, are. we yeah. do. We have to get into the spirit of the episode. So, speaking of all those things, we've of course brought on what I would think is the dude bro resident expert. <laughs> Katie Moyer, <laughs> thank you for joining us once again. You're practically not even a guest anymore, you're an honorary co host. Hello. And I love that. I was going to do my normal ahoy, but apparently no. we're like, no, dude, dude what's bro. up? What's dude. up? I bring with me a very special guest from uh, the uh, oh p- post-mortem mise en scream era. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Eli Roth is oh, with us Eli. today. It's been, it's I, been months for me and Eli. <laughs> I know. And I did have to bind and gag him. That's fair. Yeah, uh, that's, he yeah. was talking too much. Well, um, well, he was yeah. talking at all, so we have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know how Eli feels about broads talking, so you know, yeah. I mean, we that's probably for the best that we 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 kept him in line. I have to say that I think I'm finally gonna tag Eli in this episode. I've just I've had <laughs> it's it. It's about damn time. It's about time that he know that I exist and I troll him as hard as I do. I think it's only fair. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. yes, Eli's here. We're so honored. What a big celebrity <laughs> to have on. Can he spell celebrity? So special. S E. <laughs> so tonight, as you might have gathered, we are having a dude bro sausage fest as we discuss Hostel and Green Inferno by the what's the opposite of illustrious anybody like what's the that's uh, the word i want to i just there. know infamous is like we yeah, but <laughs> the that might be giving him too much credit that's actually yeah. too much credit yeah the mediocre at best uh eli roth we're doing the undeserved uh <laughs> we're doing an homage master. yep to a master of mediocrity 
There you go. Can we also point out that uh, Hostel and Green Inferno are the only two movies that any of us were willing to revisit? Oh my God. And that was under protest. Like Jackie literally was like, <laughs> I hate you. Like she when she was rewatching Hostel, she was like sending me hate messages. <laughs> uh, so I had the distinct pleasure of writing a retrospective for Hostel for uh, Horror Geek Life. Yes, and so I did. did not take part in a rewatch leading up to this, but I think it is fresh enough in my mind that I can not subject myself to that mm -hmm. horror again yeah. and I do yeah. not mean horror in a in scary way <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I tell you what you guys we have really as we close the summer down we are putting the cruel in cruel summer with this episode <laughs> because, <laughs> because there it is just cruel to revisit these films hey let's dive right in shall we I mean Eli well where do you even start to talk about I have of mini <laughs> rant get that I wrote for this. Go for it, dude. I'm ready. I'm going to hold on. Let me, so, let me get comfy. Uh, Eli Roth is just mm -hmm. the trust fund Quentin Tarantino. Like what makes Eli Roth the most absurd standup of a horror master is that he's touted as being a bastion of historical and sociological genre knowledge while simultaneously bringing nothing original to the actual genre. He's incapable of original thought, which is why he surrounds himself with actual masters of horror and it elevates himself in the process. Wow. I love wow. It. That's, that's, he's going to need some ointment for that burn. I got to yeah, tell you. No. We're going to the, we're going to the burn <laughs> unit on that one. I'm just, when you look at his catalog, you've got cabin fever, which is pretty much evil dead. It meets that flesh eating disease that he says he had. Hostel is just if a Tanashi Mike like rip off of anything. Mm -hmm. Green Inferno it's, it's is Cannibal Mike Holocaust, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Knock Knock is Funny Games with Girls. Yep. Uh, Death Wish is literally a remake. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And it, it just he he brings nothing original, nothing at all. And yet everyone like talks about him like he's the you know oh he's such an ingenious irreverent guy and it's like no he's not he's not at so all. It's funny, your your rant is so much better than mine because my rant <laughs> on him and how he fails as a, as a filmmaker is that he's like that guy in your undergrad college film 101 class where he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, but he's by, by far the most vapid and useless. And he's so busy <laughs> being a dude bro and trying to score with the girl who's never gonna, that he literally has nothing relevant to do or bring to the table. So when he does finally have to make a film, it's, he thinks it's super deep, but it really says nothing. <laughs> like that's, they, and that guy exists in every film 101 class, right? And, and no, Eli was I think was I might've gone on a date with one. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no. you were probably the girl he was trying to bone who he had no chance with, right? Um, because this man is literally one of the most vapid. And even as he, you would think as he's survived like the Me Too and the evolution and the Weinstein scandals and all of this, you would think he would come to the table with some fucking aha Oprah moment, but no, he's still just as fucking useless as ever. As I'm going to stop being, I'm angry. No, I'm angry. <laughs> now you made me angry. Now, God damn it, Eli. <laughs> all right. So let's dive into hostile first. Cause I, I, obviously this is the earlier of the two. If that's okay with you guys, I'd like to jump right yeah. into hostile here. Jackie, I, dare I ask, can we get a little Jackie synopsis here? Oh, uh, here, here's I think a, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have one, one brief sentence. Yes. If, um, if, ma if, if toxic masculinity was a movie, <laughs> hostile um that's perfect there we go Chef's that's kids. all we that's all we need this uh, you know and it's one of those things i can't even say like you know it was 2006 it was just dated because it was 2006 like i remember seeing this movie in 2006 being like this is like that like, these are shitty people 
Yeah. These are shitty people. We're not going to like do a hero's arc with Paxton because he's still a shitty person. Like the shittiest he, of the yeah, group. Like he, like this, every character in this movie is just like the worst kind of character. Correct. <laughs> there is nothing redeeming about this film. And what, no. what frustrates me the most is that he literally is like, yeah, that's the point. See, I nailed it. And like, it's like, you can't make a fucking garbage film and then pretend that's what you intended all along. Yeah. Like we, I see through that, Eli. I really do. And if yeah. you were trying to make a statement on how sucky Americans are when they travel, fine. But you did it in such a fucking stupid way. Well, and I think, Marissa, you shared with us that interview where because the Slovakian people were so like they were not happy with the portrayal of their country. And he says in there that he wanted to create the Slovakia that fulfilled like American stereotypes of what Eastern Europe and the Eastern Bloc is and then punish them for believing them. So you're going to create a movie that fulfills the stereotypes of the movie rather than breaking those stereotypes in order to show American ignorance and then right. punish them in the country like what kind of circular logic is that it's, it's eli it's eli logic and he does it in every single film where he claims that he's doing some greater good and pointing to some big social commentary when really all he's doing is elevating toxic masculinity homophobia xenophobia and like just clear misogyny at its worst and it makes me fucking so riled up so so let's dive into all the things that make this film terrible everything (laughs) every every character like i said paxton they try to give him a hero's arc you know he's there's no redemption at the end or whatever he's still a giant douchebag uh what is it josh they try to make him the sensitive one and he dies for it and he literally gets tortured yeah, and, and it's like it. and you know what you're not the sen- you're not the sensitive one well like, I qu- yeah. and i'm gonna queer code him i i think that he is actually like the character of josh just speaks to the homophobia that is underlying in this film because listen we're in a world where you don't get to call things gay and you drop the f word and not not the one that rhymes with duck the one that rhymes with maggot you don't get to drop those words anymore but even then it was cringy and for the character who might possibly be struggling with sexuality and maybe be the more sensitive of the group to get be the one who's the only torture death shown on film like on the film Mm -hmm. to me is such a clearly there's a there's a subtext that he deserves to die for being the least douchey of them right because and here's why i think he's struggling with his sexuality number one while they're having sex in the same room which ew uh (laughs) <laughs> he keeps he keeps looking at paxton he does anybody else notice that he literally looks, <laughs> continually looks over at the other bed but then even like with the, the old guy who ends up being the torturer like when the guy touches his leg he freaks out but then he goes and like buys a drink with him maybe he wants to hit it with the guy i was like oh are they gonna is there something here so to me it's like the guy who's less toxic who's less of an asshole is the one who literally gets the worst of it on on film. So to yeah. me, it's it's just no excuse for the blatant homophobia that lies at the at the very surface and not even trying to hide it in this film. I was gonna say, especially knowing the purpose of the torture and the punishment is really to be yeah punishing them for their stereotypes and the way that they're acting. So to make his death be the one that we see, the one that we have to experience, the, it like it it it's meant to it. I guess the idea was to make it an emotional moment because he's such the nice guy. But the, instead, what you end up doing is, yeah, you're que- you queer code him, then you kill him in the most graphic way. And it's like, are you punishing the guy who might 
be different than the others? Like, is that what you're doing here? Or are you somehow saying that's wrong? Like, that's almost how it comes off when you that's, look at it that way. Right. 100% how it comes off. It's inexcusable. Yeah. It's basically are, being like, don't be different than the dude bros or you'll get punished the worst. <laughs> there are so many things that I don't know what Eli's true intentions were, but they come off terribly. Like, you know, skipping, you know, we're, I know we're going to get to the end, but like the ending, like regardless of what kind of message or what interpretation of trauma he was trying to convey, the ending comes off in such poor taste. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And the whole, the fact that he tried to make some sort of fucking clever thing with the veganism, like, oh, Paxton's a vegan. And then at the end, he's such a fucking man is, is ridiculous because to me, like this whole argument Eli makes about this film where he's trying to illustrate the the dangers of American thinking and the dangers of, you know, uh, the, the extremism of the thrill, right? He literally is showing the exact worst. He is celebrating and rewarding bad behavior because with Paxton, right? We have homophobia. We have xenophobia. He fat shames women. He misogynistically, like literally just like uh, treats them as objects. Right. And he becomes the final guy. And then not only does he do that, but so when he does escape, he then turns around and brutally murders the guy who instead like, and that's supposed to be the big heroic moment. Violence begetting violence is supposed to be the yay. And, and then he saves the Asian girl, which I definitely want to give her some space too, but this doesn't teach us lessons. It only rewards the most horrific behaviors that this film is supposed to be a cautionary tale about. So it's, it's an, a fucking complete hypocrisy that just, it literally is just a celebration of brat bro mentality in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, both of these movies can be in a box set called Eli Roth's Arrogant Americans. <laughs> stupid arrogant American yeah. well, and something I, t- I too I find so like annoying about his characters and it's it's why I think all of these things fail so hard especially if you kind of look at it from you could probably put a different director and writer in the chair and make something worthwhile out of these premises um probably because it's been done before agree. um 100% but agree. really one of the huge things and I think this is a problem in modern cinema um and I think it is a problem with Eli specifically it may have even started with Eli hey you did start something um is that there is a lack of subtext everything is right out in the open everything is very superficial which means that we never get any depth to our characters beyond exactly what they're telling you and the depth that he tries to add are things that the character has to say out loud we don't know anything about the character based on their actions we only know those things because they say them correct and it's like exposition overload and it's it's so frustrating because you could do so much more from just seeing things but what he chooses to show is just the graphic violence and he thinks that's enough to to jar us out of caring that he doesn't have a story Correct. And the character development is so just troubling to me. The writing of these characters is ridiculous. And Ollie, to me, is the perfect example of that failed attempt at a character, because why bring up that he has a daughter? You never make that go anywhere meaningful. You just think that him saying that out loud makes it have depth. Like that character arguably is the least cringy of the three of them like he seems very comfortable with his sexuality he's like silly he like you know he just smiley face on his butt who doesn't love a guy who does that but again like there's no you're right it's like he fails to develop any it's like he needs to go back and reread his screenwriter's bible because he just does not know how to properly develop his characters well 
And two, I think I think great horror happens in a place where internal fears are realized externally. Um, and and there's you need subtext for that. It's usually done on a psychological and physical suspense level where we're generating the fear as an external. I think I, I, I note Midsummer here as being the grief and separation that we know that she's feeling leads to this terrifying yet exhilarating acceptance from essentially a death cult. And because that's what creates the fear and suspense, and that's what makes so much of that movie feel powerful and anxiety driven. And, but for him, it's like those internal, like the fear of death, fear of being mutilated, like they're universal fears, which means they're not important to our characters in a re in a personal way, which means we can't care about their fear in a personal way. He just picks these universal bucket scares and then goes how can I do this in the most graphic way possible he does it with Green Inferno too and I'll get to that when we talk about it but it's like there's no uh symbolism in his horror and it's like when you look at great horror like the exorcist and things like that there is so much more happening than just there's a demon you know yeah agreed and I think that like any argument he makes that this is built by design to be that way is just a, a way of escaping his own problematic thinking. And I think the true colors come out time and time again when you listen to him speak. And I, I'm going to kind of circle back around here too. My biggest, I think my biggest, the thing I take the most issue with with both of these films is how he chooses to write and treat women. Because in Hostel particularly, every single woman you see is either a sex worker, which there's nothing wrong with, but a sex worker, they certainly act like it, you know, they're, they're objectify them, but a morally problematic slash evil woman or drugged up beyond her, like the one girl who's in the film who isn't any of those things is so drugged up that she's just banging a guy and doesn't know where time or space, right? And I also take issue with the trope of the liberally, like the liberated woman who like uses sex as a weapon is fine, but why do they have to be the evil ones who are luring the guys into the thing, right? Like there's nothing wrong with being liberated and using your sex as some sort of a, a power tool in your, in your, your, uh, you know, your fucking toolbox. But I have to say one of the lines I did love and I get a chuckle out of every time is when he's, of because of course, when he realizes that he, she is the villain that's selling him out, he calls her a slut and a whore and a bitch, which of <laughs> course, what does any, when, what does that calling her a slut have to do with any of this? But the best line is she goes, I get a lot of money for you. And that makes you my bitch. And I was like, yeah, girl, like I, I found myself rooting for these horrific villains. When you're rooting for the hunting club, there's something wrong with the film, right? <laughs> but in an interview, he said, the reason why he thought this was appropriate was because men being tortured in this film are just like hookers in real life because you can do whatever you, and I quote him, you can do whatever you want to a hooker and it's okay and it's a thrill. So that's part of what led me to like, you know, kind of flip the, the script there. And I wanted to be like, time out for adventure, Eli. Where did you think in your life that a woman being a sex worker means you could do whatever you want to her? means you can objectify her, means you can literally treat her the way the, the villains in this movie are fucking torturing and killing people. You assimilate the two in your own head. And if to me that doesn't speak everything I need to know about Eli Roth as a human being, then I don't know what is. The fact that he could ignorantly compare being a, a sex worker and as he calls them hookers, which is demeaning enough, to the situation that, that Paxton and all the rest of these men find themselves in, is literally like, I'm going to wash my, my body after this because like, you're so skeevy, Eli Roth. Um, Can I also I, point out that the people being tortured don't get the money 
that no, is being and paid they don't, to torture and, them. And no, yeah. no point did they consent like, to that. I know that's a lesser point, but that yeah, is no, also- right. it, is. it makes, it, it further makes his comment problematic. And, and they're it not consenting. Right. And, and sex workers don't consent to anything beyond what they consent to. So if you're yes. doing whatever you want, chances are you're doing that without their consent. So this brings me to the Asian girl. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys kind of weigh in on her because I think I have a very strong reaction and I want to see what you guys thought of, of her plot arc in this film. <laughs> First of all, the fact that he goes, Oh, he's not into Asians. You're disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the dude bros, man. I was just yeah. writing what my frat boys talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know my, my big, and again, I, I said it earlier you know, I, I don't, I don't want to take away anybody's autonomy. If your response to trauma is you need to end your life, then that's, that's a personal decision that's between you and you alone. Right. But if that's the subtext that we were going for that the character, you know, cause she Paxton rescues her. She has this horrific burn. Like the whole side of her face is just Very her eyeball goofy. is gone. Mm-hmm. Like the whole side of her face. Like she has suffered some traumatic, uh, uh, like disabling trauma. Her response is she sees her reflection. She sees what she now looks like. And she's going to kill herself because now that I'm disabled, there's no point in living. And again, and now that I'm I not, know that I'm disfigured. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I know I'm, that there could possibly be subtext about, you know, trauma, PTSD. There, there's a million layers that you can go with that. But again, this is an Eli Roth movie where regardless of what maybe he was attempting, the way it comes off in this movie is I'm not pretty anymore. I need to die. Correct. And it, it speaks mm-hmm. to a woman without her looks is completely useless in Eli Roth's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the bottom line. I mean, and he makes it abundantly clear in all of his films, in my opinion, that's a running theme that I find mm-hmm. in all, including knock, knock, you know? Um, yeah. And, and it's to me, her, you're, you're right, Jackie, you hit the nail on the head. It's so problematic because it's based entirely on her looks because she has her wits about her in that moment. Yes. Of course she's dealing with the trauma of everything, but she's basing that entirely on now I look disgusting. So now I must therefore end my life. Mm-hmm. And especially God, I was just going to say with the arc at that point, it was very much, we, we had moved into the survival phase of this narrative. And if your mind is in survival, like that trauma hasn't really been processed yet. So it, it really felt unearned for her to decide other other than the incredibly superficial Eli Roth way of doing it that, oh, I don't look pretty anymore. So now I'm going to kill myself. Like there's a timeline and a narrative structure where if you find out later that she decided to die, then okay. But at that moment, there's no other way you can read it. And I think that's an incredible point you made Jackie too, is that, yeah, I don't, don't want to take anyone's autonomy away from that. But in that moment, the way that he had introduced everything that is the only way you can read that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I a hundred percent agree with you. I also think that the point about there being a place where people go to do extreme things, right, is not scandalous anymore. In 2022, we're not really batting our eye at this, right? But man, it would have been so much better. It would have worked better in 2006 if this was somehow an American-run company. The fact that a little 
like Slovakia is the place where this is happening and they're the ones profiting from it seems is almost counter to what he's trying the points he's trying to make because to me it's like he's trying to show American and just like it's global like excess and that that hunt for a, a new thrill and the 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 conversation he has with the guy in the uh in like the little prep room is so mm-hmm. on the nose like Katie it gets back to your point about how he has no idea how to create subtext or like so like you know like use your contextual clues like we don't need it Mm -hmm. so spelled out for us like trust me as an audience to understand Mm -hmm. but then you have it be these poor people in a country that does have a very big gap between the haves and the have-nots a country that is struggling for tourism a country that is very much off the map and 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 needs a a viable sources of revenue and and tourism dollars it, it, it seems almost exploitative to have it be the country and the people there who are running this whole outfit. I would have loved mm-hmm. it so much more. Or I would have thought maybe his point was better made if it was something that was tethered to American wealth. Can we talk about the kid gang? They're fascinating. I was just going to say that, honestly, like you don't root for anybody in this movie. Like there's not a single <laughs> likable character. You don't root for anybody. But I was going to say, except the little homies like their motto is eat candy, do crime. Like, and I am here. Mm. For oh my the God. That's game. my next tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> eat candy, do crime. Yes. Like, cause at first I thought the kids were like kind of working with the torture house, but then it's like, no, like these are just a bunch of feral fucking kids just trying to survive. And sure. We need to steal. We need to beg, borrow and steal to survive in this world we're living in. I ended up at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, well, I'm here for the kids, which if anybody knows me, I never root for the kids. Like it's usually <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, you know, put them in the garbage, but I mean, when they're also usually watching village of the damned, but <laughs> I'm going to take the clip of you saying I'm here for the kids. And I'm going to like, put like, <laughs> we are the world. It's just going to be like, you being like, I'm here for the kids and I'm going to slow it kids. down and, because that is the most anti Jackie thing I've ever heard you say. I'm here for the kids. I'm, I'm here, here for the, the children. You give me kids <laughs> that, that, that do crime. I'm here for Eddie the kids. Candy. Right. And with, what even like, what blew my mind about that too, is this whole, I, again, going back to the idea that the fulfillment of, we, we want to break the stereotypes of what Eastern Bloc countries are. And we're going to do that by having a kid gang that is not affiliated with the torture people no. just exist. And they're, just, hey, and they're you like come feral. here, you could get mugged by children. For candy. Like, they're feral. They're practically feral, like a little oh gang of God. hyenas. Yeah. And we're, but I'm, look at me, I'm doing so, such good for tourism in Slovakia. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna... That's great. <laughs> I don't um, know. I'll shank, I'll shank a bitch for some hubba bubba. You got, <laughs> you got big league chew. Yeah. Oh shit. Big league. Yeah. Chew. You got a ring pop. Yeah, mm. dude, you got bubble it's, tape. It's, I'll jack you up. It's fascinating to me. How do these little nuggets not be part of the conspiracy though? Because what's going to happen to all those little mother effers who help him escape? Like, I got to be honest with you. I think there's going to be consequences for them. I do. I'm I, I want to see that movie. I want to <laughs> see the kids warring the adults the with the torture yeah. tools, like just, like the hunt, but with the kids and the, the oh my parents, god, yes, people, yeah. the adults. Yes, a thousand. Because I think the kids would win. I think it would battle royale. They'd win out. My money's yeah. on the feral little children. Like we, yeah. we're talking like Lost Boys, Peter Pan against the pirates. Like, yeah, and Lost Boys the- win. Give those little little nuggets a couple of pixie sticks and you don't know what they're capable of. I'll tell you what. Dude, they're just like going up their nose with them. Like, <laughs> 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 So, 
we've all been there. I've snorted a pixie stick or two my day. Um, Ouch. I was, a, I was also a feral child who would do, who I was, uh, would do, uh, you would eat candy. candy, do crime kid. I wasn't oh eat candy. Do, can we please make a Jersey ghouls t-shirt that says eat candy, do crime, please, yes. please, please, please. It is Done. now that we need to make that shirt. And it's time. It's time to grow. So let's let's put on our. I'm going to circle back to our mise on scream days here, and let's talk about the idea of a torture porn, right? Because he's part of the splat pack, as it were, right? Splat, get it? Splat pack. Um, a group of a, a group of filmmakers who most of them never were able to shake that kind of nomenclature, for better or for worse. I mean, Rob Zombie's still trying, right? Like he and I love you guys. Know I love me a good. He's Rob got Zombie the monsters movie. coming I'm out. Excited. I'll watch it. I'm not going to act like I'm a hater. I'm excited. And um. But but Eli really did with this film kind of bring kind of get the worst of that 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 title. In fact, and this this term was coined by an article that I will share in the notes here by David Edelstein, a 2006 uh-huh. very famous article in the New Yorker called "Now Playing at Your Local Multiplex: Torture Porn." And then torture porn was born, and it's been living. We've been living with it ever since. And I find it ironic because yeah. extreme cinema, extreme horror, has seen so much worse before and after Eli. Yet time and time again, when you say torture porn, Saw franchise, Eli even Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects, all of those get kind of schlepped into here. So I guess my question to you guys is what is your thought on this, this idea of torture porn? Do you think it's fair? Um, this guy's, this article is infuriating for horror fans. It, it definitely kind of insults us. It basically has this cringy description of Hostel that calls the protagonist innocent Americans, which makes me want to vomit. But it also suggests in this article that somehow we're getting off on the torture in these films, that we enjoy putting ourselves in the position of the torturer because it's shot in such a way that we are viewing the victim as they go through it, right? And I got to be honest with you, I don't agree, so I'm curious to see what you guys think. Well, I mean, that can be said about anything in a movie. I mean, that's what a fucking movie is. You sit down and you watch it. Now, sure, if you choose to watch certain types of movie over over others, but like, I don't buy that whole, uh, first of all, I hate the term torture porn. Like, I understand why we're going to throw that name on there. I don't particularly like it. Um, I personally like a lot of the Saul movies. Um, on it, I've seen Hostel. I saw it once like when it came out in the movie theater this is like my second time seeing it i've never seen green inferno i'd seen cabin fever but like i know very little of eli roth's catalog and i think i'm the better for it um but like the rob zombie movies house of a thousand corpses was okay i'm a huge fan of devil's reject um so i don't know like the whole idea of like you know we 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 get off on being the torturer because we see that you know, we're, we're, it's like a voyeuristic thing, or we are looking at the point of view of the torturer. Like, to me, I, I kind of call bullshit on that, because we could say the same thing about absolutely everything in a movie, because that's, that's what fucking movies are. We have the point of view of whoever is driving the narration, like the director's narration, you know, every time that something's happening in a movie, that's kind of sad. And then we put the sad music on it and then we make it raining outside. Like scenes are manipulated to make us feel a certain way. So it's really not so much on the viewer, but it's, it's on the, it's on the people making the movie because they're the ones driving Right. Like they're the, they're yeah. that, that's uh, yeah, my take. I, I agree. Yeah. Katie, go so, ahead. So my, my whole thing, and this is my semantic argument that I've had ever since Saw came out, because I absolutely hate the term torture porn because exactly what Jackie said. 
um like if, if if we're taking porn as just the voyeuristic exploitation of our emotions then that is it's reductive to say the least um but actually i said the word that i like i called it torture exploitation when i first saw saw um a coming off of yeah exploitation cinema black exploitation exploitation all those different things because that is it is the exploitation of whatever this specific genre is. Um, and so when we took torture into it, it became, we were exploiting torture for this horror subgenre. And so that's why I really hate it because it is, it, it makes it very reductive. It um, intentionally make, gives it a negative connotation mm -hmm. and for the purpose of, you know, whatever theoretical analytical you know we can reductive like make it super reductive that way um where i think a lot of torture exploitation movies actually like not roths but you can look at some of them in the early 2000s and see them as this reaction to the abu Ghraib and 9 11 and everything that was happening there i think saw is one of the greatest and i've said this on these on scream i've said it a lot of times um but the idea of you know jigsaw is a terrorist in that film you know when he makes he coerces people to do horrible things to themselves with the expectation of freedom and that is what you know, terrorists do. So that was such a fantastically broad idea, but then you just threw it in with torture porn and it's like, but hostile is such a terrible example. And now we're just putting hostile and saw next to each other. Like they're the same level where saw actually was much more ambitious and had a way better message and could be analyzed to death. And that's what I love. So that that's how I feel. So the bottom line is it's torture exploitation. It's not torture porn. And mm -hmm. Eli Roth doesn't deserve to be in either of those categories. <laughs> I think I completely agree with both of you. I think that to get back to, you know, how we view these films, I think we more put ourselves in the shoes of the victims, right? Which is why when when she kills herself, the Asian the Asian girl, we are so bleakly left with no one else to root for because we have lost the one character who we can maybe perhaps get behind. At least that's mm -hmm. where I'm coming from. I also think that, and this, I, you guys are, might roll your eyes, but I'm going to tie back to Carol Clover's take on this kind of film and say that I think we... The, the reason why we watch this film and feel uncomfortable is because now we're we're being forced to see only the toxic masculinity, only the homophobia, only the underlying really problematic sex and gender issues that he can't get beyond. So we have nothing left in this film. We have no one to root for. We have no kind of moral compass or like, you know, there's just nothing left. So I think when we watch these types of films, I don't ever see myself as the killer, I always put myself in the shoes of the victim for better or worse, number one. And I, so I get insulted when these kinds of like, you know, these, uh, these journalists and these uh, academics who act like we're such monsters, but I think it's interesting to play with the idea of the torture, exploitation, torture, exploitation, torture exploitation. there we go. It just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Um, because I think it is what, what separates this and house of a thousand corpses and saw is that they eked into the mainstream. Right. And and that's what the, the, the films like Blackula did that most films don't. Right. They eke into the mainstream enough that they get our attention. And in a post 9-11 world, and you're right, you you mentioned all of the things that I completely agree with. The, the world, America is now facing the fact that we are a villain. Right. Whether it was from Abu Ghari, whether it was from the post 9-11 fallout, whatever the, the wars, whatever the case may be, we now have to face our own morality when it comes to what we're willing to do what we're willing to tolerate what we are standing for as a country and i think we are still in the throes 
of the turmoil of not knowing a national identity in that way, because we can't wrap our brains around whether or not we're the villain or the good guy, right? And 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 I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that, you know, we are a country that has been guilty of torture. We are a country that has witnessed horrific things unfold in front of our eyes, whether it be 9-11, whether it be January 6th, whether it be whatever the protests and the riots and the police brutality. And now we wonder why we gravitate towards extreme extreme horror more than we used to and it, and it makes me laugh because all of that about our country and in the grand scheme of this world like our country is like what teenager maybe preteen yeah as maybe. far i mean <laughs> we are so, still so young as a country relative to so many other countries in this world that it, it it's it, that it's asinine that it's it's and i mean maybe it is a failed experiment who knows i guess that remains to be seen but at the end of the day like i do think that the more we open our eyes to the true nature of the brutality of the world around us the more we kind of tend to snuggle up to these types of films on a mainstream level because i think you know as horror films all of us in this chat and most of the people who listen to this have seen 10 times more extreme than any of these films but none of those have eked into the mainstream like even Mm -hmm. i thought there was a moment where megan was megan is missing eked into Mm -hmm. a little bit in the mainstream like with tiktok and the kids all talking Mm -hmm. about it and everything and i gotta tell you that was to me 10 times more extreme than any of this shit oh my god that was yeah (laughs) um i still like shudder just thinking about my yeah i should have listened to jackie (laughs) i told you not to watch it (laughs) you know i can't handle it (laughs) Um, yeah, so I mean, any any other big thoughts on Hostel? I think we've sufficiently, is he like crying yet? I, uh, <laughs> so one of my things, okay. Crocodile so tears. I, <laughs> and again, we know that he is taking ideas from other directors, from other movies, because honestly, one of my notes is this movie does get interesting in like the last 25 minutes. And I'm like, you know, could this have maybe been a short film could we have cut out all of the bullshit in the beginning and just made a short film about like let's just cut right if we're not going to do any character development we're not going to do any sort of arcs um can we just cut to why people are coming to see this movie and let's just make a short film let's just do like a 20 minute short film like pretty much from honestly like Pax, Paxton escaping having that interaction in like the little um like locker room and then his quote-unquote great escape like I might have a little bit more I was gonna say admiration for this movie but that's a fucking lie I might have <laughs> I might have tolerated this movie if it was a short film basically from like the 25 minute yeah. mark on yeah because short films only demand you to know as much about the character as the action happening it usually Mm -hmm. drops you right into it you get about five minutes before an inciting moment happens and it's it would be perfect i think i second that emotion yeah yeah and on that note smoky let's move (laughs) um let's transition to great inferno shall we let's do it this is my first watch I literally, my note is going in completely blind and I know nothing about this movie. Wow. Yeah. And you didn't hate this as much as I did. I I get the, I get the impression. No, I, I, between the two, this one was, 
I think my note was mildly entertaining. Oh. This one, this one wasn't terrible. Like wow. I don't okay. like either movie, but this one was at least tolerable. Oh my mm-hmm. god! I really you agree, yeah. Katie? I I do. Yeah, it is. A, it is a bit a bit better, and I think it is just probably it has a bit more polish. You know, you can tell Eli has a little bit more backing with regard Mm -hmm. to like production and things like that. I think that is more what makes it more watchable. Uh, I think it makes it less excusable. In my rewatch of this movie, I did realize that I am an old lady now who gets motion sickness from shaky cam. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, like I when it switches to the documentary style camera work once the tribe is introduced and there's like all the and movement and stuff. I was like watching it going, and I watched Cannibal Holocaust recently again, and it didn't make me feel as like kind of sick to my stomach and nauseated as watching this did. And it was I was not sick to my stomach because of the gross. I was sick to my stomach because of the camera movement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I see for me somehow, and I don't disagree with you guys. I think a lot of people would probably agree with you about it being a little more palatable than hostile and palatable is the only word I'll give it. I will give it anything more complimentary. But I I do think that in 2013, God fucking damn it, Eli, could you know better? Could you be better? Could you actually do better? You had more money. You had support with your writing. You had a, a, a potential to make something real because you know what in 2013 a film about how stupid protesters could be and how they do a whole lot of talking but very little action or good would have been could be a cool idea right like there's something interesting in that subject but here's what i can't get over you guys and why i fucking hated this film from the from just fucking moment one to me not only is this another failed attempt at making like taking something cool and just fucking blowing it but Like, where is her fucking common sense? Where is her stranger danger? Like, call your dad. You're joining a cult. You are only going because you think the guy's hot. The guy's fucking abusive to you from the start. Like, when he kicks her out of the meeting, I'd have been like, my, and never went back. Like, go fuck yourselves. I cannot believe that he, they would write a character to be so fucking stupid, so self-serving, so weak until almost to the very end that the feminist in me was fucking disgusted by this protagonist. And I, I just, and she spends most of the film like sniveling in a corner and like the other women in this film are fucking unlikable or stupid. I was like, not knowing what was going to happen. I was like, either drugs are going to get shoved up her butt. Right. I knew she was going to get eaten by cannibals, but if she, they, this had gone the way I thought it was going to go, drugs were going to get shoved up her butt because they were definitely drug mules or they were going to like, they were going to have her like sold off into trafficking, right? Because if my daughter called me, I was like, hey, I'm in a really hot porn guy. Well, so what college does she go to that all just happens to be all these exotic people who happen to want to go, but whatever. So if my daughter calls me and goes, hey, I'm going to fucking Porter Pablo with, uh, you know, this Peru. Whatever, whatever, fucking Chile. I think it was filmed in Chile. Um, with this guy I just met, cause he's going to take me to go protest. I'm like, girl, you're going to get drugs shoved up your butt or worse. You're going to be trafficked and you're going to be making sweaters or a sex worker. Where is your fucking common sense in 2013? People know better. Um, there's also to me, so many unnecessary, like, I'm going to try to shock you like genital mutilation. See how shocking and deep I am. I'm Eli Roth. Like, no, it's problematic because young girls cannot and do not consent to that shit in these fucking tribes. They have no say over their fucking lives. So that's why it's not okay. So don't try to fucking make it a, a gray area. Don't show me a guy jerking off in the middle of all this because I don't want to fucking see it. Like 
all of this shit is so fucking unnecessary that and he just throws it in there because he's like ass and titties ass and titties like i just pictured eli when he's editing sitting in a room with that song blaring in the background and like he's like because he thinks he's so fucking cool like that's and i'm gonna fucking cut that song in there so that you don't have to hear me sing it but literally how i imagine it is that he sits in a room and he giggles about it and and he like i just it, it just and then literally gets to the point where how, how did you even get cat like people to agree to play the tribe like uh, uh, well it was it was an actual tribe and they showed them cannibal holocaust the producers showed them that and apparently they thought it was funny and why weren't they like no we won't perpetuate negative stereotypes about well, our tribe the, in 20 marissa that's the point of the movie is that we need to be more understanding <laughs> of the tribes yeah <laughs> no, that's the right. point of the movie if they say holocaust is funny How then silly we, we gotta respect obviously that. right yeah. obviously i should be okay with people who kill other people without their who murder other human beings because it's their cultural norm what the fuck is wrong it's culturally with complex <laughs> well yeah i mean <laughs> We have, first of all, we have to start virtue signal, virtue signaling because like, I, did he think that he was like unique when he picked something like genital mutilation? Like who the fuck is not going to look at that and go, that's terrible. Like, I think even the most dude broiest bro is going to see that and be like, that's there terrible. There are people who will defend this as cultural norms, which fucking is such fucking faulty logic. Because again, when you look at the historical background of so many of these practices, so the ones that are truly horrific are often the ones done to women in these tribes because they're done when they're little fucking girls who can't give consent. They don't even know what their fucking vagina is at that point. So like, no, you can't cut my clit off i don't know this but in 10 years i'm gonna really want that okay like <laughs> that was that actually that was like my one of my notes too is that and this goes back to the idea of subtext and the idea of what creates great horror is that this you you have to pick something that's personal to the character right in order to create a psychological anxiety and that she has a giant about it and other like we we see a scene of her in her class watching a you know the videos and the pictures and stuff and the teacher talking about it and her getting all uppity about it she's got and, a genie too and here's the thing is like th- seeing that and i remember because i took a you know a sex class in college and they showed us these things and it becomes a very universal like oh so it's not personal it's not in any way, which again, it removes the depth of her character for that to be the thing that ends up almost happening to her is like, I'm not worried. Like, yeah, it's just a, oh, this is interesting and gross. And I should like conclude it in my movie instead of making it in any way, an actual personal like thing for her. Right. And can I also just say how freaking annoying just to the point of this girl is it like she's in the class and she's like my dad's a lawyer at the un we should do something about this then immediately afterwards when she is asked to be brought on to a group where maybe somebody could actually and she could make real change she laughs it out like oh other people can do it but i don't have to like and right because and, right, and then right. all of a sudden after laughing about it she shows up at the meeting and yeah. we, like we're supposed to i don't know where this girl's head is and we're just five times oh it's because she's a freshman like is that the logic is right. that why talk about Thank you for telling me maybe you could have developed up. your character enough so that i know why she's flippy floppy about this shit right and can we also i, I thought the elephant in the room is the weed scene for me because first of all 
Eli's that kid who's never actually smoked weed, but he totally pretends he did, right? Because clearly he does not know how weed works. Because, well, first of all, I'm not sure, like I'd like to do a Mythbusters of whether or not you could put weed in a body, cook the body, and then become really high if you eat the body. I don't know that we would ever get permission to do that Mythbusters, but I'm curious. Like, I'm sure maybe, you could stick it in a pig or something. That's and what I'm replicate. saying. Like, I was like, you know, next like Cuban pig roast I do, maybe. I'll see what happens. Do a little experiment. So come to my Invite next me. roast, y'all. <laughs> but like, this tribe smokes this weed and like there's this much weed in the body, right? There's like mm-hmm. not even enough, like one blunt's worth of weed in, in the body. And an entire tribe of people become literal, pa- like they're passing out. They're standing up and just passing out into bushes. It's, it's the most stupid, <laughs> stereotypical, like, <laughs> I have the munchies, man. Uh, God, that <laughs> made me cringe so hard. It's, like oh. the masturbation scene is cringe number oh, one. So and cringe, cringe number two is him lying there going, they have the munchies. Munchies. Like I'm supposed to be scared. For I, I was like, this is supposed to be funny, right? Like at one point I was like, maybe Eli's trolling us and this is actually supposed to be a horror comedy. And if so, then let him go. He's a genius. Like, well, and that, that scene in particular, like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know if you guys recognize that guy, but that was the kid from spy kids. Thank and the only you. reason I watched spy kids is because it, when it came out, we were working at Hollywood video and I watched spy kids a lot. Cause it was a movie we could put we on put and on, yeah. I wanted to look at Antonio Banderas, but like, I, I, the whole, like I Valid. literally like in my notes, mm-hmm. I have referred to him as spy kids. Like, I don't even remember what his fucking name <laughs> was. He's hysterical. just in my notes as spy kids. So the whole time. And when, yeah, when he like, there were some almost interesting things happening. I do have to say I loved, well, I loved and hated this one the one character so one of the first girls to die i hate that she used the line like i can escape no i ran track in high school i can escape <laughs> i'm like really dude like that's you, you ran track and it's in high school. raining and muddy and she like barely even runs she stumbles i did like the reveal of her death i like that we didn't yes. see her death and the reveal of her death was that they were like wearing her skin, like all the tattoos. I like that there was like the skin bowl and that like some mm-hmm. of the natives were like, like, ooh, posing with the skin and look at this new tattoo on my skin. I did like, I liked that not every single death was like a gratuitous gore fest on screen. I like that we had a little bit of mystery sometimes. I did like her reveal, but yeah. for, for the most part, like the whole idea and Again, I don't know truly what Eli was going for, but there was the one part when they were first protesting, which I don't understand why they were wearing masks because they just took them off anyway. So why would you even be carrying that in? But at one point the girl goes, they think we are the enemy. And I want to be like, because you are, you, you are the fucking enemy. Like they don't think you're the enemy. You actually are the enemy. Like, and then like all the ideas of just, it kind of just brings up a lot of the ideas of like what missionaries do and, you know, colonizing places. And, you know, if there are tribes that want to be in the world and not interact with the rest of the world, or, you know, again, with this movie, truly like this tribe in real life had no idea what a movie was. So like, so he, he like came he and fucking ruined them. it for them forever. He showed them cannibal Holocaust. Like, there is absolutely nothing what wrong a hero what a fucking humanitarian yeah. how does he not get a peace prize for going in taking this tri- so 
can I just for a second fucking just be pissed about what Eli did to these fucking sweet baby angels? Because the truth is that there are very few tribes left in the world that still practice cannibalism. And the ones that do, do so with consent. And what, what I mean by that is that they tend to cook the dead and eat parts of them as a fucking tribute. I read this big fucking piece done for the Smithsonian on a tribe in New Guinea that still practices cannibalism. And it's nothing like this. They're not the fucking aggressors. They're not, again, like we're the fucking, pro- like, like him going there and bringing movies. Like he probably was like, who wants fucking popcorn and Butterfinger bites? Like, no, Eli, leave them be. Like, like it's like so ironic that he is the thing that he's trying to mock in this movie. Like you're mocking fake wokeness. You're mocking the lack of respect for other cultures. You're, you're mocking people who pretend to do good, but really they're eating shit and doing nothing good. And you go and do the same fucking thing, Eli. And that's why you don't deserve a fucking ounce of fucking respect. Because instead of like, And these poor people probably had no clue how they were being portrayed in this film fully. You know, do you really think they fully consented to the portrayal of their tribe in this film? Like, and he made up some tribe. He was like the schlibbity schlibbities. Like, it's just everything about it just fucking infuriates me that he does this shit. Like, it's like he's running around with a fucking past to be the biggest dipshit in horror. There I said it. And I meant it. It actually, I, it made me think of something. It made me think of the prime directive in Star Trek where, you know, you like, you're not allowed to interfere with the regular development of the, and that's the whole message of his movie, right? Is like, we shouldn't be interfering with the regular cultural norms of these people. And then you're absolutely right. He brings a movie to them who've never seen a movie and interferes with the regular development of these people. He usurps the prime directive, which also is a point I wrote down that J.J. Uh, Abrams is the sci-fi version of Eli Roth. I said it. I stand by uh, it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no lies detected. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just like, it made me think of that. That Like, it's the prime directive that, you know, this Except- is the moral I'm trying to tell and I'm going to undermine the moral I'm going to tell by making this movie <laughs> except that's the prime directive except with tribbles <laughs> am i right star trek people get it freaking tribbles i made it the trouble with tribbles man i love that episode that's my favorite um <laughs> and again like we see some of the re- re- repeating eli rothisms here right like the females being written so poorly can we talk about the fucking oh. <laughs> vagina scene dude how have we not talked about the vagina scene yet oh. because it was <laughs> checking to see who's the virgin well and then Cool. All right. So you do this scene that is legitimately so fucking cringy, right? It was cringy. It was fucking watching their faces. It was, it was like, like it was torture exploitation in my opinion. Uh, Like I, it was gratuitous. And then I was like, all right, well, something, well, first of all, she's a virgin. Like, good on you, girl. Something cool is going to happen with this, right? Like, but they painted her and we have no idea what was to come of that was she the most delicious that was what i assumed right because she was the no she'd been marked that they if you're a virgin you're still pure you can get castrated you can't be castrated if you've already had sex you've developed that pleasure she can she could become part of the tribe because we can initiate her through this she was going to be part of the tribe she wasn't going to be i don't know that's just my my reading my reading of it is that the they were only going to castrate her because she was a virgin. The other two girls were meat on the table. And then did yeah. they rape her? Am I to assume that when she was drugged and bought into a room with men? Like, I just, I was so upset because it was so much violence and, and gore and horror for no for nothing. We've already established that Eli Roth does not do subtext. I'm sure it was literally just, there. she's being painted <laughs> in his brain. But yeah. like, it was so unnecessary and so upsetting And then her survival becomes so much more uncomfortable. And I'm like, all of that. I went, I endured that really long five minute scene of that for nothing. For her to get painted. Like, God damn it. 
they were going to eat her? That's, she was, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't yeah, that, I kind of, I read it the same way that when they drugged her, it was merely just to like, shut her up and like we can oh. prepare her i don't think that because I, I agree prepare I her like the whole, fucking like i don't uh, think old they, bay on her yeah like i said i don't think it was any so i don't think they did anything to her aside from drug her and just okay. kind of like get her out of the way because oh, i good. agree like the whole like she's pure they kept her pure so when they do the genital mutilation i don't know that they necessarily were gonna like eat her after that like i feel like it was like okay you're pure we like what you best like we'll, we'll let you kind of no i think they probably just would have been like you know you're here now like they would it, it's almost like one of those things where we'll cut you we'll heal you and then you'll just be here with us like almost kind of like a brainwash thing like you're oh, just see, gonna stay here and you guys you know. are clearly like more pure human beings than i am because i was like holy shit i think because she's a virgin that means she tastes the best that they're gonna like pull old bay on her and be rapey and cringy and then she's gonna have a, the worst death of everybody like they're gonna eat yeah. her i mean slowly or something like that, and that could have that could have been like mm-hmm. you know I'm after she healed unstable. up from i just don't know why they would go through the whole ritual of castrating her if did the they actually game was no i mean no. they they didn't because the kid ha- with the flute helped that's her. right that's right okay, um, okay. but like why why would they go through that whole ritual of doing it and if they were just going to eat her anyway i don't know it's like a veal like, thing like i'm she, sure there's weird things to, to feel yeah she would need time to heal from that too so that's uh um that's something that uh, oh i don't, um, I I don't know the say, nuances of cannibalism who knows <laughs> well i actually wanted to say too and this really bothers me because one of the things that majorly bothers me about uh movies music anything is when you don't give credit where credit is due um and i know eli roth has said both cannibal holocaust cannibal holocaust 2 like those are movies that this is what he wanted to do i mean green inferno is the name of the documentary that gets watched in cannibal holocaust um but really this is cannibal furrow or ferox whatever whichever one you want to call it um but because at the end well, I mean, first of all, the graphicness and the kind of the, you know, there are these weirdly like supposedly humorous moments mixed in with the cannibal stuff. Like it's much more cannibal for And then at the end of cannibal for when Gloria comes back, she lies about the cannibalism and she writes a book that's like, these are peaceful tribes. We need to not interfere kind of thing. And it's like, because she recognizes that Mike and her people that she was with were the really the perpetrators they were the ones who attacked this tribe was defending themselves and they they ended up dispatching them and using them for meat because these people were essentially attacking them and um and it never he never talks about it even though that is literally his ending and it is his moral but wait doesn't she wake up isn't that all just a dream in this movie in 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 green inferno doesn't she she's imagine she's sitting in she's sitting in the room telling them it's all just a dream she runs into the horrible guy who why like that guy is the worst why does he live longer than most of the people in this film but and then doesn't she wake up and it's all just a dream that she was i think just the horrible guy is a dream oh just the michael just that so she really defended the tribe Mm -hmm. because she's hunting people and eating them because she sees it as this is her way that she can stop the bulldozers. You know, oh, they did. They, it was all a PR stunt the first time. Right. So now this time, I if I if I show if I say so that the tribe is peaceful, then we won't crush their lands. So, so she's still protecting 
the tribe, even though they practiced cannibalism and they ate even though friends. they ate well, all I guess they friends. weren't really her friends. No, they weren't no. friends though. They were just no. part of this group that she just got initiated to. Um, oh, but God, yeah, that is so cringy. Um, and that's like supposed to be the moral, but it just really, really bothers me that Eli never steps up and says, there's this movie, it's called Cannibal Frogs or Furrow. And it, I stole it does the idea my from... ending. He yeah. stole it without ever saying it. Wow. It's an homage, Katie. You just don't get it. Cause you're not at his level. <laughs> oh my God. I am beyond his level. <laughs> you just don't get his art. <laughs> I really thought that was a dream because I was like, there's no way she's gonna be that fucking stupid, right? Like, oh, yeah, clearly, so that's, the whole, are- that's his whole moral, right? Is that it's it's the same thing that he said about hostile is that the whole um God, what did he say? Cannibalism has very complex roots. It's not about savage behavior, but there is very brutal punishments for invaders. It's a complex society. There's no way for these Americans to yeah. communicate that they're trying to help them. It's a message of don't go messing around th- with things you don't understand. Oh, good thing Eli's here to teach us how to be better human beings. Yeah. So that's, that's the moral is that they did, they went into something they didn't understand and they got punished for it. Just like the Americans in hostel, they went somewhere they didn't understand and they got punished for it. Good thing. Don't you understand? The the cycle is just going to continue again. Cause you saw like the, like when the girl at the the window and the protesters had like the fucking douchebag on their Mm t-shirts like fucking what's it like Che Guevara yeah well did you notice he wore a Che Guevara hat I was like really and they had a big poster of him I was like can you fucking be less on the nose god damn do you think all revolutionaries wear that hat (laughs) I can't I literally cowering in a bunker hiding over all his secrets like you could only be a revolutionary if you you have a Che Guevara that's, that's that's it. If you're not you a human man, you're not a real What a joke. Like, and having um, a Shea Guevara poster is the most dude bro thing ever, right? Like, let's be fucking real here. Like, I do like the Planet of the Apes one. Yeah, that one was pretty. There were yeah. a couple yeah. posters on her. Like the rip, the rip on Shea Guevara that's Planet of the Apes, yeah. Can we also talk about the, um, the her roommate and how fucking weirdly written that woman is I why hated and her. how poorly i acted. hated every character every character. oh god it. Oh, it was so oh, bad and can i just say we need can we just quash the sleep all day have sex burnout roommate trope can yeah let's successfully put that, squash let's put that. that to bed yeah and speaking of jj abrams you've got like felicity the beginning first season of felicity i mean even house of the For devil Gothic has it friend. like i mean yeah. even good movies have it and it's like we don't not that isn't the roommate you're going to have in college and you're you're the activist special person who's trying to make your life better like actually your roommate's probably a pretty normal person and they're just as freaked out as you are that you're go- that they're in a brand new place so maybe have some grace with it and don't write the same character in every single fucking movie yeah you know it's it is cool to go to college and like want to learn and study what and, and f- you know focus on I'm your, actual your education it's cool to do it in high school too yeah yeah no it is it is books are neat reading is fun like oh it's God. not it's not a weird dweebs thing. i mean i know i've got glasses and a ponytail so i know i'm not a hot girl because of my glasses and a ponytail um if only yeah, you took no, those it's... glasses off and took that point deal down you might have some potential girl yeah you got that librarian true. thing going uh-huh. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh. oh, we have fun. We have fun with Eli. We do. Have fun. Oh, oh God. God. I just can't. Two thumbs up. Uh, guys, all I this to like, say, highly recommend. Yeah. I also, I just want to say, I, I do also very much appreciate that, you know, he does. He sticks to his tropes. He he does it like fat guy dies first because he's fat and therefore cannibalism. Oh, right. Uh, he's got the, first. you know, he's got to throw in that sideways veganism in there somewhere just because, Always. why not? Right. That makes him woke. Oh. 
Yeah, because he understands that there are diverse people in the world. The only thing he's ever- like that poor guy did not deserve. He was so sweet. Like he he's was the only person sweet. I was rooting for in that entire Me movie, too. and he didn't get anything except for cut, de- dismembered. Poor guy. I told, and I said, I said, one out for him, man. Yeah, I said he was going to be the first to die because in Eli Roth's world, the nicer people who have a potential to be decent human beings are the first to die. And the bigger Mm -hmm. the asshole, the longer you live, the more heroic you are. So yeah, I I know he was like holding her hand when they were like going to the place and like making sure she was okay. And and he uh, was never gonna he was never gonna get on out of the friend zone. But that's okay. I'm gonna give 100% credit to that actor and none to Eli. Fair, fair, yeah. I did like the plane crash scene because I was not expecting Ooh, me too. it. Me too. I was not expecting it and it got real brutal real quick. And I liked the reality of it that like, yeah, you might get blown out of the back of a plane and you're going to end up impaled on a giant fucking tree branch. I did like that. Like I said, was not expecting it. So it kind of like, Ooh, and then like, it, yes, it was gory. I did like that scene. I liked the special effects. Yeah. I liked the gore. I will give partial credit. Like I'll I, point, point 0.5. Not a full point. You will I'm not be awarded you. full points. I'll give <laughs> I'll give half credit. Half I'll give credit. half point. And I will give the other half for the girl who killed herself because I was like, retweet. I, I could see, I kind of was like, I could see in that moment the 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 rationale there. I'm like, I'm not getting fucking eaten, the bro. Only like thing- the only thing I didn't like about that is like the the foreshadowing thing that happened with her, because like when they when they were yeah, getting yeah. ready and like they took off her bracelets and you saw the scars on her wrist. Yeah, like yeah. I I didn't like the whole like that was a little heavy handed. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole foreshadowing, like oh the dude that smokes weed is going to be the one that's eaten when they have munchies. The one that has scars from an attempted you know suicide she's the one that's going to kill herself the one that ran track in high school is going to get caught well, there's no know. subtlety was, to any of this there really wasn't yeah. like that was kind of annoying because that then, was just blatantly obvious oh god and then i like the the post credits or the mid credits scene like did you guys make it i did not hang out that long (laughs) i was done the the setup for green inferno 2 where it's like this mission impossible satellite photo and like the fernando's sister is calling our main girl being like i have to talk to you about something you said there were no survivors well i and it's like zooming in on this satellite image of him still there are you serious yeah The the really bad guy yeah oh the masturbating guy if only uh Fernando in, or whatever his name is fingers crossed Eli's not too late I'll watch oh it. Eli give it bring it bring, bring it I'd love to see what you choose to do with this <laughs> Eli you owe us this is he yeah. making I'm gonna IMDB him real quick see if anything's brewing in the Eli world I was so annoyed uh, there that- are a few things um he's actually working with break my heart Kevin Williamson on something Ugh. um why <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kevin Williamson is so much better than him because see, that's what he does. That's what Eli does. He surrounds himself with great, with successful, yep. amazing people. And it all it does is elevate him. He's like, I, I forgive the super like not feminist thing that I'm about to say, but it's the girl that surrounds herself with seven. So she can look like a 10. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. in hall pass. Yep. <laughs> Like that's that fair. is literally like he is a the four of directors and he surrounds himself with tens just so he can look like a seven. Fair. No, yeah. I agree with you because I think a lot of the talent he works with, I have so much respect. Like even the fact that Greg uh Greg Nicotero did, did special effects for him. I was like, 
really? Like, I'm, I'm just sad and like, but he, okay, here's my question, right? I'm quite, let's imagine I'm Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm Quentin Tarantino. And I'm, that's my Quentin impersonation. And really? I, are you here? <laughs> and I'll well, around. we have Quentin Tarantino with us. <laughs> oh Amazing. It's so good. Quentin, how are you? Me, pretty good. Um, so, <laughs> so, that's too good. Why is Quentin Tarantino a 1920s gangster in Hollywood? <laughs> because he is because a 1920s is. gangster in Hollywood. <laughs> so Quentin's sitting there. In his private screening room, right? Somebody's sucking on his toes. I've heard that's his fetish. That's why I keep circling back to that. It and absolutely is. I think he owns that. I yeah, think he, he owns. Does. And I, and I'm, I, I'm saying this all is I'm going to own the fact that it is as problematic as it is. I fucking love Tarantino movies, but I, I am, he's sitting there and he's like, Eli, why don't you like, I don't know, make a movie that doesn't suck, right? Like you're Quentin Tarantino. You're Eli's friend. You're his mentor. Why wouldn't you be like, Eli, this is pretty fucking stupid. Like, I, I, I think, I don't know how much I've read of like the continuing relationship. Are they done? Are they not friends and, But I, I have to think that like Tarantino saw Hostel and was like, oops. He was in Inglorious Bastards. They're still bros, I think. Yeah. Well, that's probably because Eli is one of those, like he's, again, he's that I don't bro mind him that you're like, like I, he's the friend in the group where it's like, you know how every group of friends has an asshole. And if you, yeah. and if you don't know, and if, and if you don't one, think right? then, then you're the, asshole. you're the asshole. I think that, yeah. and you know, you're just, you're nice to him because, you know, he's also friends with Greg Nicotero and like all these other people and Rob Zombie. Yeah. So it's like, you have to play nice. So, so like, when you can't, comes to you, you can't not yeah. invite him because you're inviting everybody yeah. else. So I hear you have this ensemble cast going on and then you need some somebody to play a bear Jew. Like, did you know I'm Jewish? Like, I, I could do that. <laughs> like, bro. Oh. And Quentin was like, well, I imagine I guess, he talks very fast. I guess I could do yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I guess I could put you in my movie. You gonna suck my toe? Yeah. <laughs> he goes over to Brad Pitt. Just a minute, cut him out. Just step over all his lines. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I love you enough that if one of you made hostile, I'd be like, can we, like one day we'd be drinking a bottle of wine, just us gals. And I'd be like, can we talk, can I be really fucking honest? And I would say it. And I'd be like, in your next movie, could we maybe X, Y, and Z? And I would hope that our love and our relationship would survive that. I hope, I wish Eli had someone, Quentin, Brad, who, Greg, whomever, that was just like, dude, can we, can we talk about your movies? <laughs> like, <laughs> We're we're drunk enough. We won't remember this in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, I just be a good friend, Quentin. Yeah, all right. I wonder if that's how like a the house with a clock in its walls got made. Like <laughs> somebody said, took and was like, "Why don't you try making something PG?" And you know what? Truth be told, <laughs> maybe zombie I, did. I don't, I don't hate. Zombie's that like, I got the monsters. Yeah. So why don't so you, you try? Take house. <laughs> I didn't hate a house with the clock in the walls either. But it's also he took the book, so he probably you know did his hooked on phonics, put letters together to make words, words together to make sentences, and read the book. And he was able to make something that wasn't completely ridiculous. Plus Jack Black is a treat in that movie. All right. Well, first and foremost, Katie, thank you so much for coming on to hate on us in a healthy way. Um, thank about you Eli. for having me. Eli, this has if- been a sincere pleasure. I'm really glad I could be here. I'm really glad that Eli answered my calls after everything <laughs> he's been through. I know uh, the restraining order got lifted just for this episode. Yeah. I hear. Um, well, Katie, thank you so much. Where can we find some of your delightful musings on horror in the world? 
Uh, well, you can still find me on Horror Geek Life. I'm still writing for them. Uh, they, you know, got some irons in the fire, but that's pretty much what I'm doing. Um, I know uh, very excited uh, screenwriters podcast will be back in October, which is just about a month away. We're going to be um, doing some stuff with horror origins. Uh, I hope I said that right. The Origins Film Festival in uh, Arizona. Um, they got some really cool stuff going on. We talked to them last year. And so we're going to be uh, talking to some people that are involved in that uh, come the first weekend of October. If you guys want to have, I, I know a great director you could have on if you're interested um, in horror. He's really profound. <laughs> we ever meet Eli Roth? <laughs> The, I feel well first of all he's never gonna hear this right but in the event that I ever met Eli Roth I would be so uncomfortable because I have talked more shit on him on the show pound for pound than anyone else yeah that's right sure. I go toe-to-toe with him pound for pound man he wants to talk about it I want to shut him but yeah I don't care I'm done I, even, no. I would I would like I would throw you made my me watch Green Inferno twice <laughs> He's, I wouldn't even want to have a conversation with him. That's how like morally ab- like abhorred I am well, by him. From, I'm like, how would you From what to- I've heard of con stories, he doesn't want to have a conversation with you either. So that's shocking. Wow. He thinks he's too good for me. That's here's my shock face. I bet you yeah. if I had big too boobs for, and was yeah. pretty though, he would be, he would have time for me. I mean, I am super pretty, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not Eli Ross standards, <laughs> just saying. Um, I have good self confidence. Oh. All right, Katie, thank you again for being on. Jackie, would you do what okay, you do? Babe. Would you do what you okay. do so good? <laughs> okay. Uh, we, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, well, you know, what? I'm gonna pose this question. Oh, quick. we're having a question to quick, quick. Well, not to you guys, to, oh. to our friends out there. Oh, this in, is a hypothetical in, in the world. Okay. Hypothetical. Well, I'm curious about how everybody else feels about Eli Roth. I mean, we obviously number one fans here. Um, how does everybody else feel about Eli Roth? Have you seen? his catalog do you celebrate his catalog because obviously we're not fans but if you guys are fans like i don't mean to be like condescending and say why but truly like if you really like hostel if you really like green inferno if you really like some other bullshit he's made like what what maybe like jot us a little little comment on our facebook page send us a message uh at jerseyghouls.com let us know your feelings on eli there uh, is an Eli and- Roth fan club too. If anybody's interested in joining, it's a, somebody's website. She was probably 16 when she does this and she forgot about it because it looks like it's from 2001. We should and- post this episode on there. <laughs> and on that note, bye bye. Network.